Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mimetic Exegete podcast. I'm your host, Simon Skidmore. In this series, we have been studying the book of Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah is persecuted for calling his sinful generation to repentance. Perceiving him as an obstacle to their own desired objects, Jeremiah's community plot to kill him. However, the Lord strengthens Jeremiah's resolve and empowers him to withstand the pain and suffering they inflict. As he continues to prophesy against his fellow countrymen, Jeremiah inflames the situation by eliciting more persecution. By these means, a mimetic cycle is generated and the animosity between Jeremiah and his community grows. On numerous occasions, the Lord commands Jeremiah not to pray for Israel. In other words, Jeremiah grows to resent his fellow countrymen who represent an obstacle to his desired object of becoming a great Israelite prophet. Jeremiah welcomes the demise of Israel as it signals the fall of his persecutors, ultimately vindicating him and his message. Reading on now from chapter 21, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent him to Pasha, the son of Malchiah, and Zephaniah the priest, and the son Messiah, saying, Inquire of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is making war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful deeds and will make him withdraw from us. Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus you shall say to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands and with which you are fighting against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans who are besieging you outside the walls. And I will bring them together into the midst of this city. I myself will fight against you with outstretched hand and strong arm in anger and in fury and in great wrath. And I will strike down the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They shall die of a great pestilence. Afterward, declares the Lord, I will give Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his servants, and the people in this city who survived the pestilence, sword and famine, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of their armies, into the hand of those who seek their lives." He shall strike them down with the edge of the sword. He shall not pity or spare them or have compassion. And to this people you shall say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who stays in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. And he who goes out and surrenders to the Chaldeans who are besieging you shall live and shall have his life as a prize of war. For I set my face against this city for harm and not for good, declares the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. Before continuing, I just want to make known that this passage doesn't really fit here chronologically. Zedekiah is the last king of Israel who was eventually carried off into Babylon and brutally executed after seeing his sons executed and then having his eyes poked out. Having rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, King Zedekiah now fears that Babylon will wage war against Israel, bringing Jeremiah's prophecies to fruition. In desperation, Zedekiah now turns to Jeremiah, hoping that he might intercede on behalf of the nation. 
This is very interesting because the active intercession is yet another aspect of Jeremiah's role as the communal scapegoat. Through the scapegoat's execution, the violence of the mimetic crisis is quenched and the community experience a transcendent sense of peace and tranquility. The community credits this shift from violent chaos to peaceful order to their scapegoat, who now they assume in death, reaches beyond the grave to quench divine violence by interceding on behalf of their community. Zedekiah now asks Jeremiah to fulfill this office of intercession in order to avert disaster. However, Zedekiah makes his request in vain because, as we noted earlier, the Lord has forbidden Jeremiah to intercede on Israel's behalf. Instead of offering relief, Jeremiah prophesies disaster for Israel. The Lord will not save them but will fight against them himself by inspiring and empowering the king of Babylon to destroy Israel. At this point, the Babylonian invasion seems inevitable. The Lord has set his face against Israel and promised to burn it with fire, another common biblical image of mimetic violence. With this in mind, Jeremiah advises his fellow countrymen to leave their strongholds and surrender to the king of Babylon that they might live. While resistance may give the appearance of bravery and faithfulness, with the Lord fighting against them, Israel is doomed to fail. King Zedekiah himself will be captured by the Babylonians and go into exile along with the rest of Israel. Reading on now from verse 11. And to the house of the king of Judah say, Hear the words of the Lord, O house of David. Thus says the Lord, Execute justice in the morning and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. Lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of your evil deeds. Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley, O rock of the plain, declares the Lord. You who say, Who shall come down against us, or who shall enter our habitations? I will punish you according to the fruit of your deeds, declares the Lord. I will kindle a fire in her forest, and it shall devour all that is around her. Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, Do justice and righteousness, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence for the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of Judah, You are like Gilead to me like the summit of Lebanon, yet surely I will make you a desert, an uninhabited city. I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons. They shall cut down your choicest Caesars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord dealt thus with this city? And they will reply, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshipped other gods and served them. 
Weep not for him who is dead, nor grieve for him, but weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more to see his native land. For thus says the Lord concerning Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who reigned instead of Josiah his father, and who went away from this place, he shall return here no more, but in the place where they have carried him captive, there shall he die. He shall never see this land again. Woe to him who builds his house upon unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor serve for nothing and does not give him his wages, who says, I will build myself a great house with spacious upper rooms, who cuts out windows for it, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Do you think you are a king because you compete in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, declares the Lord, but you have an eyes and heart only for dishonest game, for shedding innocent blood, for practicing oppression and violence. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, my brother, or ah, my sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, ah, his majesty. With the burial of a donkey, he shall be buried, dragged and dumped beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry out and lift up your voice in Bashan. Cry out for Abarim, for all your lovers are destroyed. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth, that you have not obeyed my voice. The wind shall shepherd all your shepherds, and your lovers shall go into captivity. Then you will be ashamed and confounded because of all your evil. O inhabitant of Lebanon, nested among the cedars, how you will be pitied when pangs come upon you, pain as of a woman in labor. As I live, declares the Lord, Though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my hand, yet I would tear you off and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those of whom you are afraid, and even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they will long to return, there they shall not return. Is this man, Kaniah, a despised broken pot, a vessel no one cares for? Why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land they do not know? O oh, land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not succeed in his days. For none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling again in Judah. The book now turns its attention away from Zedekiah specifically to focus on the sins of the Davidic monarchy in general. These kings are criticized for forsaking the Lord and leading Israel into idolatry by pursuing their desired objects at all costs. In pursuit of their desired objects of wealth and power, Israel's leaders have propagated injustice towards the poor and marginalized. As others observe and imitate this behavior, rivalry and violence spiral out of control. 
In the end, the king of Babylon will imitate the desire of the Israelite leaders and destroy the nation to plunder its wealth. At the time of this oracle, the people are mourning the death of Josiah, their great king. But Jeremiah challenges them to turn their attention away from the loss of Josiah to their future and the impending destruction. He challenges the people not to mourn for Josiah, but to start mourning for themselves, for the destruction and suffering that will come upon Israel for their own exile as they are forced to leave the land and never return. Let's just talk for a moment about these kings of Israel, this house of David about which the oracle is speaking. Josiah is generally portrayed as the ideal king. He mounts a reformation in all the land and gets rid of the idols, and in so doing, leads Israel in a more positive direction. However, following Josiah's death, Israel goes on a downhill spiral of mimetic rivalry and idolatry until they end up in exile in Babylon. Following his death, Josiah's fourth son, Jehoahaz, and made him king. Although not next in line to the throne, he must have been a popular voice for some reason. Anyway, at 23 years old, Jehoahaz reigns over Israel for just three months in Jerusalem. 2 Kings chapter 23 tells us that he did evil in the sight of the Lord and that he was removed by Pharaoh Necho, who exerted political dominance over Israel at that time. While Jehoahaz is left to die in Egypt, Necho appoints Jehoiakim, Josiah's second son, as king over Israel and exacts tribute from them. Israel are now allied with Egypt as they fight together to withstand the expansion of the Babylonian Empire. Unfortunately, this political alliance does them no good. After reigning in Israel for only three months, King Jehoiakim is carried off to Babylon as Nebuchadnezzar overpowers Israel. Jeremiah emphasizes the undignified manner of Jehoiakim's burial as he is carried off like a donkey. He is destined to be childless with no descendant to replace him on the Davidic throne. So infuriated is the Lord with Jehoiakim that he vows that even if he were his signet ring, on his right hand the Lord would tear him off and cast him away. In other words, the Lord is so furious with Jehoiakim that he must destroy him even if it hurts himself. Such is the nature of mimetic violence and rivalry. When two rivals become locked in a bitter contest, so great is the hatred for one another, that they determine to injure and hurt each other no matter the cost. Suffering the Lord's mimetic violence, Jehoiakim is likened to a broken pot or a smashed plate that no one cares about. Like a piece of unwanted rubbish, Jehoiakim is cast into exile with no dignity or hope of legacy. Nebuchadnezzar then installs Josiah's third son, Zedekiah, as his vassal and representative in Israel. But Zedekiah also rebels against Nebuchadnezzar, and he is carried off into exile also, in a scene which functions as a big exclamation point on the end of the Davidic monarchy. Zedekiah is forced to watch his sons die before his very eyes. 
The Babylonians then gouge out his eyes to ensure it's the very last thing he sees. Although Josiah reformed Israel and took it in a much more positive direction, his later descendants have fallen back into mimetic rivalry and desire, which has precipitated the nation's downfall. The righteous king Josiah pursued truth and justice, which meant that Israel enjoyed blessing and prosperity under his rule. His descendants, however, have forsaken these things and turned their back on the Lord to pursue their own mimetic desires. Rather than pursuing justice and peace, these new kings rather pursue opulent palaces lined with cedar and vermilion, secured through the exploitation and oppression of the poor. Thanks again for joining me on the Mimetic Exegete podcast. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.